music makes me want to lift something big. There's not enough of you to be up there today. I wanted to be closer to you guys. <laughs> um, we are, um, the teaching team got together and we decided, we, we prayed about what does the congregation need right now in a new year, a new season. And so we started talking about, I think the most important thing is to know the shepherd, to know God and to know who we are. And the greatest motif for that, I think we found was uh, the shepherd and his sheep. So we said, hey, we got six weeks until Lent. Let's do verse by verse Psalm 23. So if you grew up in Israel during the time of Jesus or at any time after David, you would know the song of Psalm 23. It would be like Mary had a little lamb. It, it like, didn't matter which village you went to in Samaria, Judah, Israel, you would know Psalm 23 as a song, okay? So our hope is like by the end of this thing, if you don't already have it memorized, that you would have it memorized. And so let's start today by saying Psalm 23. I picked the New King James Version. If you guys are my age or older, this is probably the version that sounds right to you. So let's just do this one, okay? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He makes me lie down in green pastures. When we started talking about um, who was going to do each one, I got this one. And so because it was a song, we don't know how it sound, but I'll just make, um, what was the thing I was thinking about? All right, let's sing it like this. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Can you sing that with me? He makes me lie down in green pastures. Let's keep that in our head one more time. He makes me lie down in green pastures. John, I, you weren't singing. I <laughs> um, so just have that in your mind. That's a tune that you would know. Um, it was just like Mary had a little lamb, Okay. So a few weeks ago, or I guess it was a month or so ago, the teaching team got together and had this conversation, and I ended up with this one. And I immediately, guys, I was so far ahead of the game, I started writing a sermon. And within a couple weeks, I had this sermon. I was going to preach to you about how Jesus brings us into these places of great abundance. So we have so much that we just look around at it, and we can just eat as much as we want. We can store it up for the season ahead. We have this beautiful lake in front of us that's, that's reflecting the mountains, and it's this place, and I was going to preach this sermon to you, and it was all ready, and I was so ahead of the game, like so excited about myself, but then something happened. I, I was going to preach to you about a place where we didn't need a shepherd anymore. Then I saw a picture of what the Judean wilderness actually looked like, and what I was going to preach to you we have ditches that we can fall into, right? Um, one of our culture is we have a tendency, because we live in a culture of so much abundance, to focus on the gift and not the giver, right? 
Also, we have this uh, tendency in some of our theology where it comes to this point where we just say yes, and now we're in this place forever, and we don't even have to continue a relationship with Jesus of, of transformation. But it's just like, okay, we're in the place, and we can forget about him and just be here, right? So those are two ditches we can fall into. But he makes me lie down in green pastures. If you're like me, this brings up images in your head. And it might look something like this, right? Is that what you think of when you, when you read this verse? Sunday school, right? Or something like this. This is what someone from America or England or Scotland or Europe thinks about when we th- the, even when we start reading like the, the, the sermons of Charles Spurgeon and all these people, this is what we see. If you ever look up books, I mean, I did a lot of research for this, and they all look like this. This is what the books look like. This is what the images that are there look like. Okay, and this works with the sermon I was about to give you, right? However, there's a problem with that. This isn't at all what the Judean wilderness looks like. David tended sheep not here. Um, It wasn't like this. He'd never heard of a place like this, and had probably never met a person who had heard of a place that looked like that. That's not where he lived. That wasn't anywhere near the place that he lived. And so, does this make a difference? It makes a huge difference into what this sermon is and what David was going to see. Would you like to see the reality of what David was dealing with? That. That's the Judean wilderness. This is what it looks like. This is a different reality than what I was thinking that sermon was. So I had to scrap that whole sermon That would be a, you see that little green on the side of some of those hills? That would be a green pasture, right? This would be a very green pasture, actually, (laughs) because there's lots of little green things under those rocks. This is what we're talking about, right? Okay, when I saw that, I was like, oh, shoot, I got to scrap this whole thing, because when you start thinking about what it means if it looks like this, instead of what we just saw, He's saying something very different. Actually, do you know that um, around here, um, I don't know if you guys know this, but all of our like slides, the background to our lyrics and like each one of these things, um, you can put that shepherd slide up. Um, they're done in-house. Let's do the previous one. Yeah, this one. Um, these, these are all done by someone here. So this was Lindsay Stein Schiltz. She, she designed this for us. The teaching team told us, we, we said, hey, this is what we're doing. And she comes up with designs. We're like, yeah, this is awesome. Right? And so this fits with the previous sermon I was going to preach to you. But then I saw the, I started looking at this stuff and I'm like, Lindsay, hey, can you do me a favor? Can you make me a new one that really reflects what I'm going to be talking about today? So she did that one. Isn't that fun? (laughs) So that's more what it looks like. Okay? That's what we're talking about. It's kind of, it was fascinating to me to know that the topography of a place can change every, the whole story of what we're talking about. And a lot of you have been to Israel and have come back and said, hey, once you're there, it changes a lot of things. I haven't been there, but this is one of these instances I imagine. So, if David isn't talking about this lush place that we can lie down and not worry about anything, what is he saying when he says this? And keep in mind, the Midrash tells us that David wrote this uh, Psalm 23 while he was on the run from Saul. So not only did he, was he used to this kind of landscape with the sheep out in the wilderness, there's always, always remote places where they would take the sheep because they didn't want them near the towns because they'd eat everything, right? So he's on the run, and during this run, we know that he was almost starving to death sometimes, he actually broke the law of God and got the showbread from the tabernacle and ate it because he was about to starve to death. So he, he wasn't in a place of abundance 
when he wrote Psalm 23. Okay, keep that in mind. Green pastures. He leads, what is it? He makes me lie down in green pastures. Green pastures. In this place, if these are actually the hillsides, um, let's look at the next, uh, where we see that little grass coming up. All right, so the way this works, it doesn't rain much in this place. Um, this area is called the Wadi Keti, I think, right now with a Q. Um, and when it rains here, it doesn't know what to do with it, so it floods. And flooding is the number one um, cause of death among sheep in that area because it, when it does rain, it's a problem. But when it doesn't rain, this is, these little things will come up, and the wind will come in the night from the Dead Sea. It has a little bit of moisture in it. And it'll kind of condense during the night on these rocks. And it'll give it just enough moisture for that little sprout to pop up. And if that isn't eaten by the end of the day, the sun will dry it up. So it's literally something that pops up and goes away. And if it doesn't get eaten, it's gone. That's what we're talking about. So a hillside full of little things like that is a green pasture. So what does that change about the story? If this is what a green pasture is talking about, it tells us certain things. One, if this is what it is, then the focus of the sheep can't be on this lush green field that I can just gorge myself on for, that'll keep me satisfied for weeks on end. What does my focus have to become on if we're just going from place to place like this? The shepherd, yes. Our focus changes from this lush green grass and this beautiful pond over here that gives me everything I need to I take a bite of this and I understand that this isn't going to be here tomorrow. And so I have to look at the one who can take me to the next place. That's what this says. Okay, the second thing it says, you know, we as human beings, enough is never enough. We always want more. And when we get something that will provide for us for a long time, we want to protect it and keep other people out of it. <laughs> so if we have this lush green place, we're going to say, nobody else can come in, let's build a fence, let's buy a gun and, or a sword and protect it so no one else can get here. We get greedy about it and we get possessive. But if it's a side of a hill where it just comes up and it's gone, we don't have that temptation. You know, Liz and I are leading a group about St. Francis right now, and we're ta- we talk about you know, one of the things at St. Francis, he wouldn't touch money, he would never acquire land to be his, and some people would offer him like, here, here, take some land so you can have a monastery. And he would say, well, if I took land or possessions, then I'd need to get a sword to protect it. And I don't want, that's not a game I want to play. So he didn't do that. So this is more, goes along with that a little bit. I don't have to protect this. Three, if a sheep will only lie down, just, just so you know, a sheep won't lie down unless he feels safe. He or she feels totally safe and has a little bit, enough food in his belly. Doesn't have to have too much food, but has to have enough and they have to feel safe. So that, this tells us if a green pasture is a hillside with just some little bit of green on it, then it tells us that we can lie down, we can feel safe, not in a place of luxury. We don't have to be in a place of luxury to do that. We don't have to, feel, we don't have to be in a place where we have fences all around us to do that. We can lie down for a reason. And why is that reason? Is it because we're totally safe here, because there's no predators? No, can anyone name a couple of th- things that David had to kill to protect his sheep? Lions. Lions. Bear. He's killed a bear and a lion trying to protect his sheep. So this, isn't, this, this area is not like a super safe place. So it's not because of that. Is it, do we have enough here to sustain us for weeks at a time? We don't. 
So it's not because of that. Then why would I feel safe? The shepherd. The shepherd's the reason that I can feel safe. And I don't have to be in a gated community having just got back from Costco with a full fridge to feel that. That's, That's how this is different. The lush field tells a very different story than the, hill, the hillside with a little bit of that. So he makes me lie down. And that can be translated different ways. Um, he makes me lie down. He causes me to lie down. He lets me lie down. He leads me to lie down. All these are, uh, 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 are possible. I kind of like he leads me to draw down, uh, to, to lie down. Shepherds usually don't force sheep to lie down. Like I said, they'll, they'll lie down when they feel safe. And the shepherd is the one that makes us feel safe. They completely trust the shepherd, they'll lie down. So what does it say about the shepherd that he is leading us not into fields of plenty, in these giant uh, alfalfa fields, but on hillsides with sparse vegetation? And one is, I think, one of the most important one for us to know. He does it like this because he likes us. And he likes us to like him. And he likes to interact with us. Like I said before, the, the first sermon that I was about to preach he was going to lead us to a field and we had everything we needed and we'd never need to look at him anymore. All he needs to do is protect us and protect this field, right? But he's, I'll have to look to him to provide for us. But he doesn't want that. He wants more than that with us. He wants a relationship with us on a daily basis. And this is good for that. To, that he will provide for us and he will protect us. Doesn't mean he's going to provide for us so we'll never have to work again and we'll never have to move again or we'll never have to look to him again. But he provides for us day by day because that's the way he likes to. But he doesn't let us starve and he doesn't let a bear or anything else come and attack us. He protects us and he provides for us. And he doesn't usually provide for the future today. That seems to be a kind of theme of God. If you, if you look through the Old Testament, can anyone think of a time where God decided, hey, I'm just going to give you enough food for today? Thank you. Manna. Manna in the desert. Forty years of it. Anybody remember what would happen if you tried to store up more manna for the next day if it wasn't Friday? Worms. It would rot. It would be nasty. And God, again, why does he do it that way? Why didn't he just give them a lifetime supply of, you know, whatever it was? <laughs> Or give him one of those things that you give a dog that you have to mess it, get this thing out. Um, he could have done it lots of different ways, but he did it this way. And it's because it's a time of intimacy. He's like, I want you every day to ask. And I want you every day to be grateful and say thank you. And it's just because he wants the conversation. He loves that. That's why he does it that way. Another time in the Old Testament, after you remember when Elijah was against the 400 prophets of Baal and then the fire came down on his sacrifice and they all got killed and he ended up running from Jezebel. Three and a half years of drought and he's out in the desert hiding and a raven comes every day to bring him food. Again, it could have done it very differently. If you want a non-biblical story about that, have you guys ever heard of Anthony of Egypt? He's often known as the first desert father that went out into the desert. Um, one day he was kind of getting proud about how he's the best and the first. And God was like, you're not the best and the first. There's another guy named St. Paul of Thebes that you don't even know about. Here's how to get to his house. And so he went to his house. He got to the house of St. Paul of Thebes. And he knocked on the door. It was out in the middle of nowhere. Um, and he wouldn't answer him. He's like, ah, I don't answer my door to people. But he's like, please, God told me to come to you. Anyway, he ends up answering the door. And when he comes in, a raven comes and brings a loaf of bread. 
And St. Anthony's like, well, that's pretty cool. And then St. Paul's like, oh, God must have sent you because for the last like three decades, this raven's brought me a half a loaf every day. And today he brought me a whole loaf. That's a fun story, right? Um, but God providing daily. You know, the, the disciples asked Jesus one time, hey, teach us how to pray. And he's, in part of that prayer, he said, give us today our daily bread. Not weekly, not monthly, daily bread. Again, you see a God who's like, no, I want to talk to you. I want us to connect every single day. I want this to be going back and forth between us at all times, right? Our shepherd wants us to trust him enough to trust what he is giving us is what we need and the right amount of it. Human beings, especially people that live where we live and have the lives that we live, there's, we don't know the word enough. We want more. We want more. A sheep, very interestingly, if you put him in one of those uh, first pictures that we showed, if you put him in like high caloric alfalfa, he'll eat himself to death. He will. He won't stop eating. He'll eat so much that he'll die. He'll roll over. It's, 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 it's a thing. So you have to stop them from eating. Um, and that's kind of how we are. But he doesn't want it that way. He wants, a, he wants us to continue on with him. When Bo was little, um, really little, we would take him on all these hikes. I remember he turned three in Glacier National Park, and we were hiking all over the place. But sometimes that was a lot for him, or he'd get bored and want something to do. So I, would, I always had a bunch of raisins with me. So I'd run ahead, and then Bo, and Liz would have him back here, and she'd distract him. And I would hide some raisins in a tree. And then I'd go back and I'd say, hey, Bo, I think there's a raisin tree up there. Will you check that out? And so he'd go to the tree, and he'd find all these little raisins, and he'd eat them. And then I would go on, and I'd, that's how we would continue him on these uh, journeys to keep him motivated, right? It was just enough to keep him motivated, to keep him looking ahead, finding these raisin trees. But the reason for that is I wanted to have a journey with him. Liz and I wanted to talk to him along the way. We wanted to bring him along. We wanted to experience new places with him. We wanted to take him through beautiful places. We wanted to take him through difficult places to get through because we wanted to have an experience, a memory with him. And I think that's more who the shepherd is than we think he is. He, just like we talked about, like last time I talked, we talked about that maze, right? God's always trying to figure out ways to get us to be with him because he likes us. He likes us around. If there's a prize to be had, it's the shepherd, right? It's not the raisins. It's not the grass. It's the shepherd. And that's the lesson of this verse it's a lesson of the wilderness we'll be talking about in Lent. We're going to take us through the wilderness during Lent. That's the lesson. The shepherd is always the prize. And some of you may be hearing what I'm saying and thinking, hey, I just learned not to live out of a life of scarcity or a mindset of scarcity. Are you saying that scarcities are a reality and not the abundance? If you're thinking that, that's very astute. And that was a very good question. Um, so thank you for asking it, if that is the thing you're, uh, you're asking. And so that is not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is he is offering abundance to us. But the abundance he's offering us is himself. It's not abundance of grass. It's not abundance of money. It's not abundance of knowledge. It's not abundance of experience. It's not abundance of friends. It's not abundance of, of ease in your family. What he wants to give us is much greater than all of that. And it is the abundance of himself, right? And that he's the end-all, be-all. Like if, you, if, if you're wanting something like uh, Jeff Bezos or Mark Zuckerberg or 
who is LeBron James or Taylor Swift or The Rock or who, whoever has what you want. The abundance of God is so much more than any of that. So I want us to end with the story we all know. Okay, One, let's sing it again. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Got it? So we're going to hear a story. Um, it's out of Mark. And just some, for some background, Mark is just the facts. To the point, he doesn't offer any like superlative or uh, unnecessary um, embellishment. He doesn't describe things a lot. He just tells us what happens. It's the shortest gospel that we have. So keep that in mind when we, when I, when we read this. But I want, I want us to see a shepherd who's showing us who he is as the one who has you, the one who sees you at all times, the one who walks with you, around you, behind you, among you, in you, in front of you, depending on what you need at the time, always. The one who provides for you just enough for today, sometimes more, and so that we won't forget him. And the one that gives us just a few raisins from tree to tree to keep us on the path and take us to the best places for us, right? Okay, one more time. He makes me lie down in green pastures. All right, I'm going to read for you from Mark 6.34. Mark, the guy who doesn't give extra details. Talking about Jesus. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. That was what, that's what would happen if you're hearing this. By the time it was late in the day, uh, and he began to teach them many things. By this time it was late in the day, so that his disciples came to him. Remember, where did you take your sheep if you were a shepherd? Out. Okay. So the disciples came to him. This is a remote place. He's giving you hints. And they said, it's already very late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, that'd take more than a half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend all that much on bread so that we can give them something to eat? He said, how many loaves do you have? He said, five. Go and see. He said, go and see. And when they found out, they said, five and two fish. You can see him teaching them how to be shepherds right now. Then listen to this. Again, Mark doesn't offer extra detail. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. He's saying something here. Mark doesn't tell you the grass is green. He's reminding you. You see it? So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties and taking the five loaves and the two fish, looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them also to his disciples to distribute to the people. And he also divided the fish among them. They all ate and were satisfied. And maybe they lied down. He makes me lie down in green pastures. That's the shepherd we have. Jesus is saying, hey, I'm him. This is no mistake how Mark wrote that. He's saying, I am that shepherd that you've been singing about for generations and generations. And I do things this way because I want constant contact and connection with you. Isn't that good news? Any questions? Nope. Okay. Will you pray with me? Lord, we're thankful for who you are and that you love to be with us.
that you arrange things so that we connect with you all the time. Lord, we ask for the abundance of you, not the abundance of so many other things. Lord, I ask you to help us not to focus our attention on the things that we want, but on the one who knows what we need and how much we need of it. Let us see you as the one who loves being with us, who keeps us fed enough, but not so much that we forget you. Give us our daily bread. Let us feel safe enough to lie down and relax in all situations, in plenty and in meagerness, because we know that you are loving and capable shepherd, are leading us to where we need to be, and you never leave or forsake us as we go together. We pray this in your great shepherd's name, Jesus. Amen.